Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Welcome back, guys. Second episode of the season. God, look. We say second episode of the season. For fuck's sake, we record so many of these. This is like... <laughs> second episode of the season. We've only done... First first recording of this week, I swear. <laughs> yeah, man, totally. God damn. I mean, technically, uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Spoilers, guys. So, it is technically the first recording no, of this week. No, it's not. No. Sunday's in the first day of the week. I don't want to hear an argument right now. Monday's the first day of the week. So, like... Oh, my God. <laughs> in spirit, I agree with you. But as a technical uh, asshole right now, I have to deny your request. You're being a big gaping asshole right now. Why? Why? <laughs> explain to me. Now I'm angry. <laughs> um, no, explain this to me, technically. Like, technically? Yes, why is Sunday the first day of the week? It just is. That's bullshit. That's bullshit and you know it. No, that's just, like, how it's set up. No. Whoever, like, was in charge of making the calendars made Sunday first. It's dumb. I, Sunday's the last day of the week. I, d- I agree with you in spirit, but that's it's not how this works. Why isn't it, though? That's why if you look at, like, calendars, they always start with Sunday. Yeah, but that's dumb. Like, why don't we just change it? I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just telling you the way it is. Now I'm mad about calendars. So, point being is, technically, this is our first recording of this week, and not our third. (laughs) We've been recording a lot of Friday the 13th stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah. And, like, don't get me wrong. I like those movies. They're fun to record. We have not stopped recording. I think we've been what, recording four days a week for the past two, maybe three months. Two, three months. Yeah, it's been. Tough. We did all the convention stuff, and then we were like, "Oh, we're we're not gonna watch camp movies anytime soon. Let's watch Friday the Thirteenth in its entirety." Great yeah. decisions are made. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I don't think I have any news this week. No, there's one thing really important we have to talk about. Oh, what is it? Oh yeah. That's kind of sad. Yeah, man. I, I, I saved it for this because this is going to come out way before any of the Friday 13th stuff we recorded. So I thought we should release it or, like, you know, it should be talked about as soon as possible. This is very, very sad. Especially for Bob. It's true, actually. Yeah. Specifically. I was really upset when I heard the news. The director of The Exorcist passed away. William Friedkin, I think is his name. Yeah, Friedkin. And I just, I thought we should talk about it on the podcast, because, like, I haven't actually seen any of his other films, but a lo- the other one people were talking about was Sorcerer, which I haven't seen either, but... But The Exorcist is bu- one of Bob's favorite films. It's one of my favorite films, and I was just really sad to see that he died. Maybe, maybe it's for the best. Now he doesn't have to see The Exorcist remake. That's fair. <laughs> That's completely fair. I mean, it sucks that he died, but... But the reason I want to bring up that he died is I sent you a really, really awesome compilation on twitter that i found of him just being an absolute maniac i could not see the compilation i could only see the first photo really which was him posing that man did so much like ridiculous stuff for his films and i had no idea like there was some stuff where he was talking about what was it the french connection and they like there was something to do with the train he's like yeah we totally weren't allowed to do that but i just said fuck it we're doing it anyway and we got chased by the cops for like two hours yeah those are old school directors right there. And I was like, Jesus Christ. But it is really sad to hear that he passed. No, it is. Yeah. Because, like, he's, like, a horror icon. Because, like, you know, he directed The Exorcist. That's probably one of, if not the most iconic horror movie ever. 
Yeah, it's probably up there. It's up there with like Night, you know. At the very least, it's one of the most iconic for non-horror fans. Yeah, same. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm not sure how much anymore because like younger audiences probably aren't familiar with it. Yeah, which is kind of sad because I think the younger audiences are now going to be thinking of the remake whenever they hear the word Exorcist. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that depressing note, Bob, what what are you going with today? For anyone who's forgotten or is just tuning in now, we have three categories. We have mine, which is meta slashers. So, you know, like early 2000s, uh, scream-esque kind of stuff. Uh, we have the random category, which is camp movies. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate. Uh, but it was there the whole time. It's like God just decided. He was like, ah, yes, they've made a blunder. I'm going to punish them. And then uh, Bob's ridiculous. category, which is just... Space. Space. Very non-specific, but that's kind of nice. Yeah. Look, we started with space, and I had a we good time. We did start with space. I had a surprisingly good time. We got um, Pitch Black. Pitch Black, yeah. Which is very fun. I almost thought I was watching <laughs> one of the sequels to that film when I was... I had to go buy a car because, you know, my car. I crashed my car. And I was in the office of the place filling out paperwork, and there was a Vin Diesel movie on. And I was like, is this one of the Pitch Black sequels? No, it's not. Nah. It was just some random Vin Diesel film. But that, w- that movie really surprised me. I was pleasantly surprised by the category, too. It was something I didn't expect. It was kind of cool. You know, I, I don't want to pick camp films. I'm sorry. Like, I we've watched so many Friday the 13th films. But, but maybe these ones will surprise you. He's, okay. You don't have to do the bit on the podcast and off the podcast. <laughs> he said that to me right before we started recording and did the exact same large overt wink. Like, I'm going to be surprised. I don't have that, like, ding move. sound effect, like I'm a cartoon character, but y- you can imagine it's there. Yeah. So I'm going to have to pick Meta Slashers. Now, the question is, what spot in Meta Slashers do I want to pick? I have all three, which is so weird. It's you been chose, so long. I think one last well, time. I chose one last time. What's in spot number three? Three? Yeah. Are you certain? Yeah, man. I am. Are you sure you're sure? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, Then today we are watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, I've heard of this. As well as its sequel, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> it's been so long since we've gotten one of these. Hell yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. We haven't had like a twofer in a long time. Nope. What was the last twofer we did? Um... I'm honestly, I can't remember. It's I been mean, so long. Like on the board? Yeah. No, I can check. I think it was in season three. Was it? But it, I mean, we had a three thing for Ring. Yep, that's true. We had a, a trilogy for the Ring. But we didn't have any doubles last season, so I think it was technically the Ring, kind of. Okay. I just didn't know how many times we'd seen, like, more than one film in one go. Because I. It's been a season. Yeah, I like doing these because most of the time you make a good choice and it's like watching them back to back is beneficial to the films. So it always makes a better experience. Yes. Yeah, so. Well, we're watching two of the uh, Last Summer movies. Mm-hmm. We're not watching the third one. Oh, I didn't know there was a third one. Most people don't because it was direct to video. Ah, okay. And is very unrelated <laughs> Oh, to the first movie. Okay. With the second movie. Awesome. In fact, it's... Basically not related at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they do that. Go figure. Okay, well, uh, we're just going to start with uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, it came out in 1997. Okay. So, you know. Late 90s movie. Late 90s. After Scream, very specifically. What was Scream, 96? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, 1996. So, it is in the wake of that kind of revitalizing uh, slasher movies and then also, like, meta slasher stuff. Okay. Right? All right, description. Leave no witnesses. Okay. Length, one hour, 41 minutes long. Okay. Rated R. Hell yeah. Review scores. IMDb gave it a 5.8 out of 10. Tomato Meter gave it a 45%, and audience score gave it a 41%. Okay. Uh, it That might not sound great, but it, I personally think this is probably one of the better Scream spinoff movies. Okay. Just a heads up. Well, what's cool is, like, we talked about this. I know how Scream ends. So if we were to watch Scream, I would kind of have it spoiled. I don't know how this ends. I know the premise of this film, kind of, because I've seen it done in popular media. Like, you know, people spoofing it all the time. But I don't know how it ends. That's fair. It has three wins and seven nominations for awards. It's pretty solid. And notable actors. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt as Julie James. Okay. She played Liz in Garfield. Yeah, I was about to say, I know that name. A live action movie. <laughs> I forgot they made that. Sarah Michelle Gellar as Helen Shivers. That's a, These are people that I recognize the name of. Yes. Do you know why you recognize her? Why? I mean, obviously, it's from her most iconic role of Daphne in Scooby-Doo and not Buffy in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's the one. <laughs> Both of those I've seen. There's also uh, Freddie Prince Jr. as Ray Bronson. You also know him? Yeah, I do. Because he's married to uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar ah, okay. and is also uh, Fred in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> okay. Ryan Philippe, as, I guess it's Felipe, as uh, Barry Cox. Uh, he played Sebastian Valmont in Cruel Intentions. Anne Hetch as Melissa Egan. Uh, she played Robin Monroe in Six Days, Seven Nights. Bridget Wilson Sampras as Elsa Shivers. She played Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat, the uh, <laughs> 1995 one and not the new one. Okay. Johnny Galecki as Mex. Uh, he played Leonard Hofstatter from The Big Bang Theory. Oh, <laughs> weird. That's yeah. such a weird thing for me to think about. Uh, he... He was on, you know, 280 episodes of that from yeah. 2006 to 2019. Holy shit. Uh, Stuart Greer as Officer. Uh, we just saw him as Gordon in The Reaping. Oh, okay. And then uh, Rasul Jahan as Deb. Uh, she played Dr. New, the CDC worker, in The Bay. That's kind of a little flashback there. That is a flashback to what, season two? Damn. Yeah. It's always cool when we get people from earlier movies that we watched on the show. Director's uh, Jim Gillespie. Uh, he has also directed I See You. And the writer is Kevin Williamson, who also wrote Scream. Oh, okay. Actually, that makes sense. If they're going to do a Scream sort of thing, pull the writer or somebody or work on it. That, very specifically, that didn't have to happen. That probably explains why this is one of the better ones. Well, that's what I mean. Like, if it, If you're going to do it, you might as well pull people yeah. who have worked on it before and have experience. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, everyone and their mom did a Scream thing after Scream came out. Really? Well, yeah. Okay. It was Well, that was kind of like what was hot in the movie industry for a time. Okay. So everyone was like, let's do some meta slasher business. Okay. So there was lots of things like that. <laughs> and a lot of them weren't great. I mean, it's like how like Halloween and um, Black Christmas started the slasher thing in the 80s. And then there was a lot of slashers, And there right? were a shit ton. But imagine if all those slashers were specific subgenre 
Yeah. That's hard to pull off. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, Kevin Williamson works on this one, and um, I think that's why it is pretty good, or at least one of the better ones. Budget is estimated at $17 million, with a box office return of 125.58 million. Oh my god. I knew decent. this movie was famous. Yeah. Holy shit. Like I said, one of the 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 better ones. It's surprising that it made so much money and has such low like scores. Well, here's the thing. When I say better, I mean it's it executes kind of that meta slasher stuff better. Mhm. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to enjoy it or appreciate it the most. Okay. But it's just the most well executed of this kind of very specific subgenre that isn't Scream. Scream okay. is just admittedly probably the best at that. That's fair. I mean, a lot of people have that opinion. I mean, <laughs> not to be too blatant about it, but you know, it's Scream. Country of origin, United States. Tagline If you're going to bury the truth, make sure it stays buried. Okay. All right. As for facts. Uh, in 2021, a television adaptation of the film was released, which oh. I didn't know was a thing. I didn't know either. So if you're interested in the franchise, there's a TV show for it. I think it's only one season, so pretty pretty quick. As I, I think I already covered, you know, one of the movies alongside Scream that helped revitalize, ugh, revitalize the slasher genre. I mean, that's pretty evident by the fact that this made $125 million. I mean, yeah. And so when you see that, you go, okay, we can make slasher movies again. They're going to make money. Mm-hmm. And then as for the last thing, some of the initial shots for this film were shot in and around California, but large parts of the film are shot in the town of Southport, North Carolina. So kind of an interesting setting right there. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's all I got for, like, pre-movie stuff. <sighs> okay. Whoa. I'm, I'm, so like, you know, I know the initial premise of this film going in. What do you know? Spoilers, guys, but Bob, what do you Spoiler know? Go- uh, they hit somebody with a car and they try and they think he's dead, so they bury him or like get rid of the body and then it comes back to haunt them, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a rough premise, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I know that because that's I've That's why my that. description is <laughs> no witnesses. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, I know that premise because there are tons of spoofs of that in popular media. Yeah. Like, that's a huge trope in other genres of film or, like, movies or TV. In part because I think this movie. This movie, yeah. But I'm excited to watch this because it's one of those ones that I've heard about and I'm not a fan of, like, horror. So it's, I don't know, it's just really famous and it's something I've always thought of watching but never actually sat down and watched. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of an important discussion to have here because we're talking about like meta slasher movies and you know that's kind of like a very very specific subgenre that you know you hate it you love it it did exist in the early like 2000s late 90s but it's like super important the horror because it it made horror mainstream or at least contributed to making horror mainstream in the way it is today because you know we talk a lot about it on the show even though we weren't around for it but horror was super niche and not like appreciated as a thing for a long time and you know here comes the early 2000s and their scream that's huge box office success then we have like some scream i don't want to say ripoffs but like things following a very similar formula like this movie that are also like huge box office successes and people go wow we can make money off this and you know we have the whole 2000s where we're pumping out things like uh uh, paranormal activity that's also doing a lot of money for really cheap and the industry goes wow this is an acceptable thing to make to make a lot of money on 
and because they keep getting made, audiences are more comfortable being like, yeah, I'm a fan of horror, and it's why we can have podcasts like this. So it's really cool. Yeah, and I think a lot of that can, comes from the fact that meta slashers, or slashers in general, at least this style, are more palatable to a general audience. Because like, if you look at stuff from the 80s, you get wild, wacky stuff like Reanimator. Where it's like, not everyone's going to like what's happening. You know what I mean? No, and, and I mean, I think the the reason this genre ends up being so successful, and I, I think you'll see, because you haven't really experienced any films like this, Mm-mm. is because it's built on the backs of all the films that have come before it, and kind of like built on the cultural zeitgeist that has developed around slasher stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, these are movies that are born from a world that is just like bored of Jason slashing people to bits, you know? Fair enough. Or Freddy just like ripping into people in nightmares. Oh, like this is, this is. Oh, we're bored of that. Let's try something new, but still go. Hey, this is what came before. So it'll, it'll I think, it'll be interesting for you. It's exciting. I, I'm really excited for this one. I'm excited for this category in general, to be honest. Okay, I guess uh, we'll see you guys after the movie. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. What a mouthful that title is. It's kind of long, yeah. It's uh, like you. It's huge on my like old, my file name. It's, it's kind of a not great movie title. No, it's honestly. not. Mostly what I'm mad about, before we get into the movie, sorry, I have a gripe about the editing process. I'm um, not the editing process. When I upload this to YouTube, I include the name of the movie. I know you do. In the title. So... That's gonna it's gonna like cut really hard into what we can name this movie for an episode title. Fair. We'll have to think of something. We'll come up with something. Yay and a Bob. Just initial thoughts. Yay. Okay. Cool. All right. I guess look, normal thing. Spoilers going ahead, but I'm gonna give a rough description of the movie. Mm-hmm. Bob kind of gave us one before we got into the film. It's true. I knew what was gonna happen. But I'll give a more distinct one here, uh, and then we'll talk about it. And I'm feeling like we'll probably have a spoiler section for this movie. Probably. In fact, it might be the majority of what we talk about because uh, I can tell you this right off the bat. This film is kind of an experience, and it's like most of the enjoyment comes from watching it for the first time mm-hmm. and like unspoiled and everything because it's kind of a mystery. Yeah. And so I personally don't know if I have much to say about the actual film itself that isn't like cinematography and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that isn't just like this is what i felt like watching it you know sure that's fair so a lot of what we might have to say might be like in the heavy spoiler section just so heads up there Uh, but also go watch this film yeah unspoiled i think part of what really sucks for me watching this film is i knew the setup going in i don't if i didn't know the setup going in i think it would have hit a lot harder it would have however i will say this movie has some good staying power because you can know the setup and still enjoy it. Oh yeah, I still had a good time. But now, however, if you if you know the whole film, mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't have been as great. Yeah. Okay. On that note, I, I guess I'm gonna give a, a description. But again, please go watch it first. It's probably the best way to enjoy the film. So Bob kind of gave it away. But how this film set up is this group of kids. There's four of them. Hit someone with their car, and then do the I don't want to say understandable thing. But they do the thing where they're really freaked out, and so they decide it's a great idea to get rid of the body because yeah. they've murdered this person with their car, and none of them want to go away for manslaughter, uh, especially since like one of them was drinking 
and the one who is actually driving had booze spilled all over them. Basically, not a good situation, both in setup and <laughs> results. So these this group of kids take the body and they throw it into the ocean. Because mm-hmm. as I said at the beginning, this is set in a coastal town, which is kind of cool, like small coastal town. Mm-hmm. And we time skip a year later, and basically they've all gone off and done their separate things and are coming back for the summer. And lo and behold, they get a note that says, I know what you did last summer. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's the premise. Yeah. Because it's kind of like this matter of, okay, who sent us this note? Mm-hmm. And what do they want? Because clearly they're fucking with us. Clearly they're mad. But why? Like, mm-hmm. is it is it someone we don't know? Is it is it one of us? Is it one of us? What do they know? Assumedly it's about the fucking murder, but mm-hmm. who knows? So it, it basically ends up kind of being like a, <laughs> essentially a murder mystery, because there is a murder at the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a pretty interesting setup, all things considered. So, like, because I know the setup and... The setup is pretty, I mean, like you said, it's pretty good. The way this movie is interesting is they throw a lot of red herrings throughout, and they sort of, like, muddy the water with who it possibly could be and what their motivations are in a lot of really interesting ways. And that's kind of the point of the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, the whole film is almost not slasher-esque. No, it's not at all. If you're used to slashers, because, like, straight up, there's almost no blood in the entire film. Yeah. It was surprising for the long... It's so... It's such a slow burn. In fact, there's very little explicit violence mm-hmm. either. And I think it it gives the whole thing almost a uh, old crime noir kind of feel. It almost feels like some... Like a sort of, like, crime drama. Yeah. Because it's a lot of these characters just, like, researching stuff, trying to figure out what happened, who knows what, who knows who, you know, stuff like that. Which I think is fairly interesting coming from, like, a background of whodunit slashers because mm-hmm. you don't really see that in a lot of those other films because a lot of the time it's like well who's murdering well it can only be this certain list of people or it's a, a figure and we don't really care who it is exactly but yeah i mean i long story short i just want to say did you know who the killer was like i think it kind of led you for a loop for most of the film yeah it did no it was it's good good mystery mm-hmm. yeah you weren't upset with anything there not really not really if it had, look, there was one that I was like, if it's this person, I'm gonna lose my marbles. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I think there's always one of those, but yeah, I'm I'm glad you kind of enjoyed that mystery aspect. I remember watching it for the first time at least a little bit because dude, it's been years since I first saw this film. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I, I do remember watching it the first time and being like, you know what? That's a decent mystery. It's not, I think, the best one ever. No, I mean they definitely could have thrown you for more of a loop throughout, but like, it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's completely serviceable. Let's put it at that. And the fact that the mystery part is serviceable is made up for by the fact that a lot of the other aspects of this film are actually really good. Yeah, and I will say it is a much better killer reveal than some of the other movies we've watched recently. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least there's some foreshadowing. Oh my god, that doesn't come out yet. <laughs> I don't know when that's going to come out. It has come out. Has it? <laughs> yes. Maybe. No. You're lying. Well, I, I've... No, that hasn't come out yet. Mm. That's not... I can give a hint for our audience. A char- The character we're referring to and one of the characters in this movie have the same name. <laughs> no, they don't. No? No. It's one letter off. Aw, oh, damn it. Yeah. It's also not the character I was referring to, by the way. Oh. Yeah. Well. Different movie. Whatever. No. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. Aside from that, 
I think one of the things you notice really quickly is the cinematography is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think you were like, oh, my God, it's a movie. <laughs> I was. I was like, oh, my God. Because, look, coming from a background of almost purely slashes from the 80s, this movie has, like, it feels like an actual, like, production that's well put together with real cinematography. It has a modern cinematography style, but also, like, a big production company yeah. style of cinematography. Yeah. Uh, especially because we've been watching Friday the 13th so much recently, and all of those are, like, not necessarily low budget, but they're from the 80s and not necessarily the best quality yeah. for shooting and everything. It was just very jarring seeing a, a slasher film with that level of, like, production value, I guess, like this. Fair. Which, I mean, it works. It's cool. It adds a lot of, like, cool stuff because it's a whodun- who's <laughs> a whodunit. It's a whodunit slasher. So there's lots of really cool framing stuff where you'll see stuff in the background that may or may not be relevant, but it's also trying to trick you at the same time. So it adds a lot of, like, meta stuff to the experience, I guess. Fair. Aside from that, do you have any points you want to talk about? Because I got two, so I can do those first if you want, and then you can see. Yeah, we'll start with your points, because I don't have anything in particular I want to talk about right now. (laughs) No, that's how I feel about this film. Spoiler stuff. Right. Because, I mean, the whole point of the movie is to see who who the killer is. Right. And, like, if the reveal is good or not. I think that's kind of the big discussion, and yep. it's kind of hard to have. Without ruining it for other people who yeah. haven't seen this film. Okay, so one of the things we can talk about is kind of the motif mm. for the killer. I think that's fair. That's completely fair. It's good, too. I liked it. Especially because I think it's super well-known at this point. And uh, very specifically, the motif is a like old-fashioned um, like slicker outfit mm-hmm. for fishing. Uh, usually it's the classic yellow, but this one's black, where it's, you know, you got the uh, the really big floppy, what is that material, like rubber hat? I think it's rubber. And then the big overcoat. And additionally, also, the the killer has a hook. Yeah. And it's one of the hooks for, like, hooking fish. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a handle and then a metal hook. And um, the killer just goes around, you know, hooking people. So yeah. he's the, um, you might say, a hook-handed man. <laughs> which is such a cool motif for this film to choose uh, for two reasons. A, because uh, I think we've already said this, but this is a fishing town. Yep. So the outfit is 100% something that anyone in this town would have Mm -hmm. because, like, I don't know, I'd say at least 50% of the town is fishing industry. Yeah, most of it. I mean, a lot of this movie is them on the docks talking to fisher people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fisher people. Well, it could be a fisherman or a fisherwoman. Fisher people. I know it, but I think the, just the general terms, fishermen. I don't care. I'm being <laughs> inclusive. Well, I know, but I think it's just bad English. I don't care. Well, I do. <laughs> You're an English major. Exactly! Yeah, well. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's a good motif because it's just like an outfit that would make sense for the killer to have. Mm-hmm. But it's also really nice because... Of some setup stuff done in the beginning, mm-hmm. which is just like this little extra spice added to the whole film. And very specifically, this setup is a reference to the hook-handed man mm-hmm. urban legend. Yeah. Which Bob's heard about. I've heard about. Uh, but I think if you're kind of younger, you might not be super familiar with it. I also listen to a lot of like um, true crime podcasts. I mean, that's fair, but like urban legends don't really go around anymore yeah in the same way they did when we were young and they definitely went around a lot less when we were young compared to mm-hmm. like the 90s and stuff because it's oh, very yeah. much a, a pre-internet concept yeah it's been basically replaced by stuff like 
on the horror threads online, like creepy pastas, like creepy pastas and shit like that. Yeah, because you know, or like the back rooms. Yeah, because it's that whole idea of like urban legends exist because it was something that could have happened, mm-hmm. and sometimes might have been based on real life, but has been retold so many times that it's untraceable. Yeah, um, and the idea is basically you can't fact check it because the internet isn't around. Um, so maybe it's real. Mm-hmm. Maybe it happened in this town. But anyways, the the Legend of the Hook-Handed Man, they actually tell multiple versions of it at the beginning of the Because there are film. multiple versions. I've heard all three of the versions they talk about. Exactly, which I think is such a little nice touch mm-hmm. to go like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of them, and it doesn't matter which one. What matters is guy's got a hook. But long story short, the teens are talking about it before they hit this guy with their car. And what ends up happening is they make a reference to the Hook-Handed Man before, like, dumping the body. And so the implication here is that whoever knows might associate the hook-handed man with the murder, with the the murder and the uh, subsequent cover-up. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this nice extra layer mm-hmm. to add. And I think using the fisherman slicker also does a lot to muddy the water on who it could possibly be, because mm-hmm. it's it naturally like covers up the face. Mm-hmm. And there's also just multiple like there are so many people in this town with that exact outfit. That it's like, okay, well, we saw this person has it. It could be them. Could literally be anyone. Yeah, especially because, like, you know, I say that's an extra layer of, like, oh, the killer could associate, you know, the hook-handed man legend with the murders. But, I mean, also because of where this town is and how easily accessible that outfit is, it could be completely unrelated. Yep. So it's either someone who knows about the murder is coming after them or someone completely unrelated knows. Like, it, it basically gives you both options and goes, could be both. Yeah, and just a nice little touch, and I did want to mention that. It's good. Right off the bat. Also, like, it adds to the fact that this is a meta slasher. Yep. It's so meta. It's so meta. And it, like, it's enjoyable. I liked it. Next thing I want to mention, because I think this is kind of a funny point, but there's there's four main characters, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the four kids that, <laughs> you know, commit a murder and then subsequently hide it up. Uh, there's Julie, Helen, uh, Ray... And Barry, right? And I, I said this to Bob in the movie because I, I just think it's very funny. But very specifically, Julie is dating Ray. Yeah. Which is fine. And, you know, Helen's dating Barry. But it's kind of funny as, like, a real-life thing. <laughs> because Helen and Ray are actually together in real life and not, you know, Julie and Ray. <sighs> yeah. Or Helen and Barry. Just funny aside. But I mention all these characters because, A... They're well characterized. Mm, yeah. I don't necessarily like all the characters. No. But they have good character archetype stuff, mm-hmm. and they're well acted. And one of the ones I want to point out specifically is Barry. Now, Barry sucks. Barry's a dickhead. Barry's a dickhead. But he is exactly like the stereotype of smaller town, like college quarterback. Not college quarterback, like high school quarterback kid. Yeah. Who's like, feels like he's hot shit and he's an asshole. Oh, yeah. But it's just, even though it's a stereotype, it's a well-done stereotype. For sure. So I just want to say, his actor, uh, Ryan Felipe, does a great job. No, he's really good. But very interestingly, and this is something I stumbled upon while doing research for the film, he, the actor doesn't really fit the character how it was written. Oh, really? Yeah, so when they were writing like the script and you know envisioning the character, sure, Barry was originally intended to be this massive like six foot two quarterback that was like you know a jerk 
but just physically intimidating and mm-hmm. could beat the shit out of everyone, right? Yeah. And, you know, Ryan Felipe, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. I don't know how to say it, dude. You know, auditioned for the role and got the part, even though he's admittedly a lot shorter and less physically intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so, because he doesn't fit, like, physically, had to bring a lot more um, energy to his scenes. And I, I think he does a good job. No, he does a really good job. He is super hyper-aggressive, but in, like, the best way possible for yeah, the Yeah, like, look, you're not supposed to like Barry. Barry's a fucking asshole. But he's not overbearing. Like, an overbearing asshole. Like, look, this has come out at this point. We talked about it. We don't... What's, uh, Ned, from the first Friday the 13th film, fucking sucks and we hate him. Barry's an asshole, and we hate him, but, like, in the best way possible. Like, Ned was too much. Barry, good amount. Like, I can uh, bear having Barry on the screen. Yeah, ba- having Ned on the screen was like, get the fuck out of here. That was just unpleasant. Unpleasant, but Barry's like... I enjoy hating him. I enjoy hating him, but he's, like, w- he's also well-executed, so it's like, ah, yes, enjoyable asshole on screen. <laughs> sure. Okay, aside from that, though, I I have a couple more points, but I don't think I can mention them now. Because okay. they're spoilery. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything else you want to say before we go to the spoiler section? Yeah, this movie, look, <laughs> it was made in 1997. This movie reeks of the 1990s. Oh, yeah. I would not stop talking about it during the movie. I mean, it's everything from, like, the cars to the fashion. The fucking soundtrack. But, yeah, it's the soundtrack that got Bob. Oh, my God. Like, I like the music. I think it's actually kind of nice, and I think they do a good job with, like... (laughs) Bob's an early 2000s grunge lord. Shut up. You're right. (laughs) Shut up. No, but, like, they do a very good job of mixing, like, a theatrical score with actual music That you imagine these kids listening to? Yes. And there's also some really good moments where, like, they'll cut the music, or they'll make the music quieter, or, like... Just overall, I think it was a very well-done soundtrack. Fair. Because there are some moments where it's super tense, and the music will just stop. And it's really good. Anything else? I don't have anything else. Okay. Well, then I'm going to mention something else, too, because oh, okay. it totally slipped my mind. And um, I think it's better to go here than later. But some of the costuming here, like subtle costuming, mm-hmm. is very good. Oh, yeah. The big one is the characters, the four main characters, uh, before and after the cover-up, because there's mm-hmm. a year time skip. just want to mention that they look very hopeful and preppy before the time skip. And then afterwards, uh, the makeup and costuming department does a really good job of making them just look run down. Yeah. And just world weary, both in like costuming and makeup, but also like how they behave. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be remiss to not mention that now. Yeah, no, they do a really good job of making the weight of what happened last summer look like his weight upon them in some way. Mm-hmm. Even though some of them, I'll be honest, seem to not give a shit. <laughs> Barry. Barry. You can still tell that he, not, maybe he doesn't have a guilty conscience, but it's definitely affecting his life in some way. Yeah. Which I think is just like a realistic thing that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, on that note, though, we actually are going to go to the, the spoiler section now. So um, listen at your own risk, of course, because like, as we said, kind of a mystery movie. And if you get the mystery spoiled, it's going to affect your enjoyment probably a lot. Hello everybody, this is Future Bob coming at you to let you know that if you do not want any major spoilers for this movie, like who the killer is or the ending or anything like that, please skip to 1 hour, 6 minutes, and 48 seconds immediately. Once again, that's 1 hour, 6 minutes, and 48 seconds immediately. Okay, we're in the spoiler section. Yeah. So, um, let's spoil some shit. Okay. The Fisherman. Yeah. 
Me. I'm the fisherman. God damn it. God damn you. It's true. Yeah. That's true. You're right. The killer in this movie is a character named Benjamin Willis. Yep. Uh, he's played by Muse Watson. I made sure not to mention him before the movie. I was not, looking at him going, who is this guy? Not to give anything away. Uh, he also, the actor Muse, Will- uh, Muse Watson also played uh, Mike Franks from NCIS. He was on 20 episodes between 2006 and 2017. Okay. If you're interested. But first want to say, does a good job. For the yeah. scenes that we get to see him, as you know, him. Himself, not just man in slicker with hook. Pretty good. Very obviously maniacal. So, oh my god, so evil. Makes sense that we had to wait to see him till the very end of the film. But if you're wondering why he's the killer and like how he knew, long story short, when they killed the guy with their car, yeah, and then they checked if he was dead, they did a really bad job they about did it. A really, really bad job. And so when they go to dump the body in the water, the guy gets up and grabs them. Mm-hmm. Uh, very specifically, the victim of the accident grabs uh. Helen's tiara, because mm-hmm. she's just been crowned Miss Croker. Miss Croker. <laughs> Small town beauty pageants, man. Second one in a film we've watched. I know. God damn. But he, he grabs uh, Miss Croker tiara, because he's still alive. Yeah. And they dump him into the water anyways. That's and the most fucked up part in I mean, my mind. We even get to see it where like they have to dive in the water for the tiara, because that's a very obvious link to this crime. Yeah. Um, And the guy's eyes are still open, because he's still alive and he's assumedly left to drown down there which mm-hmm. is extra fucked up yep because before it was a cover-up for a hidden run essentially yeah which is bad now it's cover-up for like intentional this is murder intentional murder anyways that guy was benjamin yep ben willis and you know he was out in the middle of this highway in the middle of nowhere getting hit by cars <laughs> because he had actually just committed his own murder yep well, not he, he. That makes it sound like he killed himself. His own, you know what I mean. He he had been committing murder on his own separately before these other kids tried to commit murder on him. Accidental murder. Well, no, it was purposeful the second time. Well, yeah, the first time uh, accidental, <laughs> second time for real. What murder is this? <laughs> I think it's the third murder. Anyways, Ben Willis had just killed this other guy. Do you remember his name? David. David. Egan. Egan. Glad you remember names, Bob. Yeah, he had just killed David Egan, supposedly from pushing him off a cliff. And yeah. we actually get to see David Egan for a second in the cold open. Yeah. And you're actually led to believe for most of the film that the guy who gets hit is David Egan. It's David Egan because uh, he's wearing the same clothes as Ben. Yeah. Assumedly because it's just fisherman kind of clothes. Mm-hmm. And also because um, during the car accident, his face gets messed up, gets blood. And they do show you the face for a second, and I do think it is Ben Willis's actor. Yeah. Just, like, with blood makeup. But, yeah, Ben Willis had pushed off, uh, pushed David Egan off a cliff because the previous summer, yep, David Egan had been in a car accident with his, I think, fiancé, right? Yeah. Who was Ben Willis's daughter. Mm-hmm. And he survived. And he survived, and she didn't. Yeah. And Ben Willis knew what he did last summer. And he was mad about it. And was mad about it, so he decided to murder him. On the yeah. anniversary of her death, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, this very interesting point of all the important elements in this film have basically happened on the same day, which yeah. is the Fourth of July. It's a very cyclical movie. Yeah, no, it's a sense. very, it's a very cyclical movie, even when it comes down to like timing, because it's like 
Start of the movie, we're at this 4th of July thing at during this summer. And by the end of the movie, we're right back where we started. Yep. But the only thing I really want to mention with, like, who the killer is, is that, like, it's well set up and that it isn't from nowhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, you always know this dad exists because it's early on established that his daughter exists and she died because of David Egan. Yeah. So it's not necessarily out of nowhere. It's kind of. But it's not out of nowhere, but it's unexpected because you are to assume that this person that they pushed into the water is dead. Mm-hmm. And the only body that's ever recovered that matches this sort of description is David Egan's body. So you're you're, you're basically like, oh, it's him. He's yeah. dead. So there's no way it could be the person that they <laughs> attempted murdered. Yeah. And throughout the rest of the film, they do a decent job of giving you alternatives, especially within yeah. the main cast of characters, mm-hmm. uh, very specifically Ray is set up as a pretty obvious, like, this could be him. Yeah, man. Uh, because throughout the film, he's like, once they start getting, like, these notes of, I know what you did last summer, Ray's like, we should come clean. Yeah. Which I I think is really interesting because he's the only one who didn't leave town. Yeah. And I think you said it was a good example of he's was forced to deal with the trauma. Yeah. The rest of them left and could, get it could like, deal with it separately, but he was forced to stay there and deal with it as, like, a... F- forefront point of his life you know he was like yeah. i have to get over it because i still live here and it's still part of my daily life because he seemed after the the year the most put together yeah honestly I mean, he's chilling he's a fisherman out on the water like he doesn't seem exactly happy but no more content mm-hmm. um but anyways he he's the one who's like we should come out about this thing we did and so the obvious implication is maybe he's trying to scare them into agreeing with him the next one who's an obvious setup is barry yeah why He's a hyper-aggressive asshole. And the way he is portrayed could totally convince you that he came up with this plan to basically off everyone else who knows about the first murder Yep. so that they don't tell on him for that murder. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to cover up a murder by committing three more murders. Yep. Which is stupid, but in line with that character. Exactly. And hell, he seems like the type who would get a secondary person to help him stage things. Because yeah. very early on, we see him getting attacked. And it seems like one of those things where, like, oh, he, sh- he just says help. Maybe. Yeah. And then I think the next really big red herring is David Egan's sister. Yeah, Missy. Missy, who is just stereotypical creepy fisher lady. Redneck lady? I don't know. Yeah. Kind of woods. Woodsy. Yeah. Who is just, like, red herring because she's supposed to be creepy. Yeah. And also related to the person they killed. The person they, yeah. But I think she's definitely the weakest red herring. Yeah, because like it's very obviously trying to set up that she could be the killer. But you mm-hmm. know that if it was her, it would just be upsetting. So they're not going to do that. She's also just really nice. Yeah, she's extremely nice. <laughs> uh, and lonely, which is really sad. Yeah, it's Especially on rewatch, because it's just like, she's all by herself now. Because yeah. um, her brother dying kind of sucked. Yeah. And then, obviously, the last person, who we haven't mentioned at all, uh, who's a red herring, is Max. Oh, yeah, yeah, Max. Who is played by... Oh, I don't remember that guy's name. Character name. His name is Max. No. From you when mean actor name? Yeah. No. Oh, the character from Big Bang Theory? Yeah, I don't remember his it's name. Stuart. There it is. Yeah. I try to set you up for things. You just fall flat. You have expectations, and that's a mistake. You're a fall guy. The game sucks. <laughs> That was a bad joke. Anyways, Max is probably the first and most obvious uh, red herring. Yeah. Because, A, he's set up as kind of like, I don't want to say a creep, but kind of. 
where he very clearly has a thing for um Julie. Julie and she doesn't have a thing for him. She doesn't have a thing for him. And then he also seems to have beef with both Barry and Ray. I don't know why he has beef with Ray. I get why you have beef with Barry. My read on the situation is, well, Barry's an asshole, right? Well, that one makes sense. But for Ray, he seems to be from like a family of fishermen and grew up financially like poor. And we learned throughout the film that Ray comes from a similar background. And my read on the situation is Ray and Max grew up together and were friends until Ray started to hang out with the rich popular kids mm. and abandoned Max and also then dated the girl Max has a thing for. That tracks. That's why he doesn't like him. In fact, um, they seem weirdly okay after yeah. you know the one-year time skip because Julie's fucked off to college and broken up with Ray. But yeah, Max is set up the killer because like he drives up on the murder after it's happened. Mm-hmm. I say the murder, the hit and run after it's happened, and they're trying to cover it up. So the implication, very obviously at the beginning, is that he might have figured it out. Yeah, because uh, he he was drunk when it happened. It is partly why they're able to cover it up so easily. Yeah, they also like he doesn't see the body. He kind of buys their story of like, oh yeah, Barry's just throwing up over there. Don't worry about it. But yeah, those are the the four red herrings, and I I I thought all of them were pretty decently well established. No, all of them are good and like believable. So mm-hmm. it makes the fact that it was just the guy that they accidentally hit and run the killer at the end much more palatable. Oh yeah, I I want to ask this now. Would you have had a preference if it was going to be any of those four for which one it would be? I mean, obviously it could be David Egan too. We can throw him in there as a fifth, but yeah, I think my favorite would have been if it was just Barry fucking with him the whole time. Like, yeah. if it had been Barry committing three more murders to cover up the first murder, that would have been awesome. Mostly because he's played so evilly and maniacally that I could totally see him scheming that up. Yeah. Like the, let me get rid of you to cover up the original murder? Yeah. Or the, just I'm fucking with you. Which one do you think? The murders. The cover it up? The cover it up. Let me cover totally up one sense. murder with three murders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's some Barry-level math right there. I I do agree with you. With That would probably be, I think, the best... Like, the next best thing. Mm -hmm. However, I do think if Barry was the killer, for whatever reason, I feel like Max would be the one helping him. We talked about that, yeah. Because there's a couple scenes where Barry is attacked, but survives, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit odd. It was really odd when I saw it, yeah. But that would then require him to have a helper. So, I I mean, I think that's just kind of an obvious thing of, Mm -hmm. he needs a helper. Here's another named character. I have no clue why Max would ever help him. Yeah. Assumedly, just... Money? Yeah, I mean, Barry's fucking loaded. Yeah. Okay, on that point, the big thing I want to talk about for the spoiler section has to do with Max. Okay. Basically, again, spoilers here, obviously. Max is the first one who dies in the movie. Yeah. They basically get all these notes, and they confront Max. Very specifically, Barry confronts Max Mm -hmm. and beats the shit out of him. Because he's, like, the only person that they can think of that could have maybe seen something and sent them these notes. (laughs) And Barry likes jumping to conclusions and tackling people. Yep. And almost immediately after Barry thinks he's, like, scared scared him into not saying shit about something that Max doesn't know about. Yeah. Uh, Max, Max gets killed by the hook-handed man. And, I mean, I think this is kind of interesting because it kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. From the perspective of technically Max wasn't a part of it. Max had nothing to do with it. And so my only assumption here is that the hook-handed man either killed Max because... He watched Barry attack him and thought Max knew, mm-hmm. or because he vaguely remembers Max pulling up. 
that would be my thought is he's he saw he remembered Max being at the scene of the crime and assumes that he figured it out and knew something that he shouldn't have and didn't say anything. Yeah. Either way, I'm not sure. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, but it does happen and it's fine. Well, here's what I like about it cuz I have a, I actually like it. It's the first time we see what the killer wants from these notes. Like it's the first time we see escalation past the point of I'm trying to fuck with you. He kills somebody. Like, directly tied to these people. I think, more or less, it's supposed to be, like, a threat. Mm -hmm. Guised as a... Because, like, once again, this guy's committed murder by choice before. Right. We don't know that at this point in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, post, you know, the movie, it makes more sense to me. Like, he's already killed someone before. What's killing this random kid? Yeah. To scare these other people that he actually wants to murder. Yeah, I mean, all that's fair. And, assumedly, I, I do think he kills him because he thinks Max is related. Yeah. And I, I do want to say, it's a good kill. It's a really good it's kill. It's probably my favorite kill in this whole movie. Uh, except maybe the killer's kill at the end. Oh, the killer's kill at the end is so good. Because it's, it's I not to spoil it, I know this is a spoiler section, but I say we just leave it blank. But what you I will say is it, it does relate back to the whole hook-handed man thing. And it's really nice. And it's really nice. But going back to the whole Max thing, while I do love the kill, I don't like its inclusion. Really? I know you just explained why you like it. Yeah, but let me explain. Okay. Okay, so first of all, this kill wasn't originally planned in the script. Oh, really? No, it was added kind of at the end of, like, filming and production and stuff because, you know, they were doing, like, screenings and, like, original reviews of the film, and they were like, okay, we need something early on in the film to prove that the hook-handed man is an actual threat. Because aside from this kill, up until, I don't know, The last 30 minutes, maybe? Yeah, an hour, 30 minutes in. He's just threatening and fucking with people. Yeah, he's done nothing horrible. And so well, he's, he's done some horrible things, but nothing like deadly. He's not necessarily like threatening. He's more menacing. Mm -hmm. um, and this kill is intended to make him threatening. And it does. And in it my does opinion. because I it, think it does a good job of that. It establishes for the audience that he's actually capable of murder mm -hmm. and not just threatening people. But I do think this has two very important issues. Firstly, it kind of immediately tells you that the killer's motive, whoever it is, is murder and not to get the kids to turn themselves in. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're thinking about it, that kind of excludes people like Ray who are coming at it from the perspective of we should turn ourselves in. Mm -hmm. And so this very clearly isn't a scare tactic. And so I think that right off the bat kind of decreases the suspects. Okay. Were you going to say something? Yes. Okay. I don't think so. Because, hear me out, he doesn't kill one of the four people that need to be turned in. He kills someone related to them that is, like, not completely tied to the murders, or to the murder. So he could just be using it, once again, to scare them. And I don't think it necessarily reveals that the killer's motive is murder. Well, no, it does. Because, like, so, uh, let's say... The, the killer was Ray, right? Who comes off... Like, the reason they think it's Ray is because he could be using all this stuff to scare them into, like, coming clean, right? Yeah. If, if your goal is to come clean to the law, you know what's kind of stupid to do? Murder someone to come clean to the law. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I guess. But it is a good scare tactic. Except it's not a scare tactic because... They don't know Max dies until very late in the film, and only one of them knows that. It's true. Um, because 
we'll get into this, but they eventually find Mac's body in the trunk of a car. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my first thing. Is it kind of changes the early motive of the film from like scare tactics to straight up murder, which again I think takes away something from the film because I think it's kind of cool early on that the characters almost think that the person's just trying to scare them. It makes the last 30 minutes more shocking mm-hmm. because it goes from oh, this guy's just fucking with us. Like he hit Barry with a car and then let him go. That was surprising. I thought Barry was fucked. Two, oh, now he's murdering us. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think it takes away something there. But my other issue, and probably my main issue with this early kill, is it immediately strikes off Barry as a suspect. Because there is no way Barry could survive being killed that blatantly. I think if you want to have... Max? Yeah. I'm sorry. Max. Okay, I was confused. I had to make sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any way, like... Max could be the killer after that because he's just killed so blatantly. Oh, yeah, he's so in dead. that scene. And I think that's an issue because Max is probably the best red herring. Yeah. Um, especially for the early parts of the film when it's, oh, this killer could be fucking with us. Mm-hmm. Because who better the fuck with them than Max? Yeah. I mean, he has a vendetta. He has a vendetta. He doesn't like most of them. I could also see him agreeing to help both Ray or Barry. Mm-hmm. And so just immediately showing that he died and isn't on the table anymore. Again, hurts that who done it aspect of the film. See, I think it hurts the who done it, but it helps the slasher element. But it helps the slasher element, which is something that like I was. Look, this movie is a slow burn because mm-hmm. it's like an hour and forty something. The fact that they include that in the early parts makes it maintain a slasher vibe, which is something I appreciated. Fair. It's just like I feel like later parts of the movie would have been more impactful without it. That's fair. Like, the turnoff from, like, oh, this is a, a fucked up scare tactic to, no, this is a murderer yeah is a lot more impactful. Because I think the first kill we would have seen, if not for Max, would have been Barry, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and that like... one would have been shocking, because you don't think it's going to be Barry. Yeah. You think it's going to be, like, Helen. Or some, anyone else. And so for someone to come out of the shadows and just yoink him like that, I think would have been a a very impactful moment. And it really wasn't. No, because we know that he's killing. He's killing people. Right. Which I mean, I don't know. I think but I think the fact that we know that he's killing people adds to the scariness of the rest of the film where they're just like trying to figure out what's going on. So anytime they see the hook handed man, it's a threat. Fair, but and not a like menacing thing. Fear of the unknown, Bob. It's fair. Isn't that worse than the fear of the known? Because throughout the film it's implied that he might be murdering them because his fucking with the main four is escalating. Yeah, it does get worse. And so it also seems like a jump in escalation where it's like he started big and then jumped back down and then slowly mm-hmm. escalated. It just feels weird. However, you know, all that aside, I think having Max's kill early on is kind of a, I don't know, opinion thing. Like mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, for the most part. Because you, you think it adds to the slasher elements. I yeah. think it takes away from the whodunit elements. But, like, that's all kind of arbitrary, you know? No, that's fair. But also, like, I think uh, the other, other reason, like, it, a- I think it actually adds to the whodunit stuff because it instantly switches up if you were like, oh, yeah, it's Max. It goes, oh, no, it's not. It has to be someone else, right? It adds an element of, here's a red herring, no more. I mean, yeah, Which but is interesting to the me. best way for red herrings is you leave them on the board as long for, as possible. Either way, you know, we can agree to disagree on that point, and I think it's completely fair, right? Yeah. However, (laughs) 
However, okay, there is one thing that having Max die early on completely ruins, okay. and that is probably the most shocking scene of this whole movie, and that's when Julie hears something in her trunk, pulls over the car, and finds his dead body in the trunk with crabs. Yeah. I mean, it's a fucked up scene. It's fucked up. It's super shocking. It's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so cool. But I think showing him die early in the film kind of ruins it. You think so? Yeah, for two reasons. Okay. A, he's the only one who's died in this film so far. And so if there's anything in the trunk that isn't the killer, it's probably going to be Max's body. Yeah, well, my initial thought was animal. Because that would be a fucked up thing to do. Yeah, but the Max's body makes more sense than just a random animal carcass, you know? Yeah, sure. But the other reason I think it it really spoils that scene, uh, because again... We know he's already died. The shock of seeing his body is taken away, you know? It's kind of like the classic Final Girl circuit, and it's always more impactful to see the body for the first time during the Final Girl circuit and not earlier in the film. But the other issue is since we know he died, when the body disappears when they go back to the car, it cuts out the idea that that could be Max just getting up and hiding all this stuff. Mm, That's fair. Because I think that is such a good read of that scene is... You know, Julie runs away from the body to go get Barry and Helen. And when she comes back to the car, Max's body and all the crabs are gone. Gone. It looks like nothing was in there. And I think such a great read of that scene, if, you know, Max hadn't been chopped off the board permanently, is that maybe Max is in on this and just climbed in the trunk with all these crabs and then quickly helped get rid of them. Uh, Because here's a second issue. Where did Max's body go? Yeah. And all these crabs. Because Julie was gone. Maybe Max, what, five, ten minutes? Yeah. Ten tops. Like, that's pushing it. And somehow, our one dude, you know, big, strong Ben. I know Ben, really big guy. You know, totally great. You know, he's a big, strong fisherman. And assumedly, he maybe put down a tarp or something in the trunk Mm -hmm. to quickly, like, wrap everything up. Um, But it's a a lot less realistic that he got rid of a body and a bunch of crabs. A lot of crabs. Versus a guy just getting rid of crabs if it was just like Max, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, I I just wanted to bring it around to that whole thing where it's like having Max's death at the very beginning of the film, while it does have benefits, has some ripple effects for how the film was written because it was added in Mm -hmm. in post, you know? Yeah. Basically, I think the film's pretty tight overall, like Mm writing-wise and structure-wise, but since that was added after the fact, it kind of doesn't jive as well as everything else. I think the only benefit there is it, once again, it adds to the whodunit element of this film. Which is, in my opinion, already strong enough and doesn't need it. Because but it's a whodunit film, though. But it's but it's also a slasher, so you have to have the balance, okay, right? Okay, so here's, here's the other thing. It's kind of a slasher, but it wasn't really made to be a slasher. Okay. The director, I forget his name, Gillespie, Jim Gillespie, very specifically made this movie uh, with almost no blood or gore or violence because he didn't want it to be gratuitous i don't think it's gratuitous at all right but basically all the scenes where there's evident blood or violence were actually all added in post like they weren't his vision they are not a part of the movie how he envisioned it like we we kind of already talked about the the one with max dying right yeah the only other like really big violent moment is where (laughs) where anna gets murdered no, it's Elsa. I was like, who? It's the other one from Frozen. Yeah. Uh, Elsa uh, shivers, so it's uh, Helen's sister. Yeah. She gets murdered she by- She gets murked. 
The Fisherman. Yeah, that is technically his name in this movie. I know we keep calling him the hook-handed man, but it's the Fisherman. And we see her getting murdered from behind, like her throat gets slit by the hook, and blood splatters. That blood was added in post. Ah. That is a visual effect. Hmm. So, yeah, I I just want to say, like, this is a a slasher film in the sense that there is one killer, um, but it is more written and shot like a classic whodunit murder mystery instead. It just ended up that the end product is slasher-esque. Huh. (laughs) I know that kind of recontextualizes your whole view of the film, but, you know. No, but, like, it does, but also I like it as a slasher. (laughs) No, that's fair. I mean, I I think it honestly just, like, this film works as a slasher because it really isn't a slasher. Yeah. Like, it's not a good slasher, in all honesty, because there's no, like, blood or gore or anything. But that's why I like it as a slasher. I mean, that's fair, but those things are so intrinsic to the genre where I think this almost barely qualifies and is almost not. But I think that's I think that's the reason why I enjoy it so much is because it feels so different than something like a Friday film where people are just getting fucking annihilated left no, and right. That's, that's fair. Blood and guts everywhere. I'm just saying, like... It just feels <laughs> so clean, almost Halloween-esque. Yeah, but I think my thought process here is... You might like it because it's a murder mystery, and then you were just expecting a slasher, so you go, wow, <laughs> this was good. <laughs> it's kind of like you have that, that front knowledge of it being mm-hmm. a slasher, um, even though it's not, and so that's making you go, it's a good slasher. I wouldn't say good slasher. It's I would say different in a, but in you're a putting, refreshing way. You're putting the slasher tag on it because I gave you the slasher tag and not because it's a slasher. But it is, though. It still is. Wait, is it? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, as far as everything goes, that's kind of all I have to talk about in the spoiler section. Do you have anything else? We basically covered all the kills. If you don't, I actually just thought of something. Oh, well, I don't, so yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll say this last thing, and then we'll go to... The end of the episode. Yes, but I do want to mention one more thing before we do our recommendations, but that'll oh. be in the normal section. Okay. Okay, while we're in the spoiler section, there's this weird subplot where... Helen and Julie go to Missy's house. So that's um, David Egan's sister, the person who they think they murdered. Yep. Who was actually murdered by the actual person they hit. Yep. And, you know, they're asking her very, very suspicious questions, trying to be subtle. Bad at being subtle. (laughs) And they try to ask her, like, it seems like if anyone came around after her brother's death, ought to be like, maybe you've met the killer? Yeah. Now, keep in mind, all of this is really stupid because... The killer could totally be her. They kind of think Missy's the killer, and that's why they went there. Yeah. But if she is, they she now knows... That they know. It's a whole thing. Stupid. But she mentions that some guy who she thinks is a classmate of David mm-hmm. came by... To pay his respects. To pay his respects, like, three weeks after. Basically, when they found the body. And his name was Billy Blue. And, you know, it eventually comes out later in the film that this person was Ray. Yeah. You know, he still lived in the town at that point, and when they found the body three weeks later, he obviously would have heard of that news. And probably felt really, really bad about it. Because he would have gone, oh, that's the person, because we threw the body Mm -hmm. in the water where this body was found, similar clothes, and, you know, so he went to go and apologize to Missy and pay his respects. Right? All that makes sense. It's explained in the movie. The most interesting thing about this whole little setup, and I don't know if you caught it, but Missy mentions that uh, mm. Billy Blue and her kind of maybe had a thing yeah, that didn't work out because he was guilty. 
And I think that is such a little interesting thing that is never addressed again. Yeah. No, it is. And I totally get, like, I'm going to be honest. I'm assuming Julie broke up with Ray right after all this murder stuff had occurred. Oh, yeah, immediately. So that was a pretty hard rebound for him. But then he was like, oh, this is the sister of the guy that I murdered. I feel horrible. I'm out of here. Yeah. No, I I just think it's interesting because it's like, it's a little tidbit for the audience. Yeah. Because the characters never address it again. And it doesn't seem like Julie noticed it. Yeah, and honestly, that could be totally be something that, like, she just forgot about. Yeah. Well, it probably is, but I, I just thought... Because, like, to be honest, kind of caught up in the whole friends getting murdered by a hook-handed man thing. Fair. So forgot um, about that. I just think it's interesting because it, it isn't mentioned again, but it's No, it's like it's good world-building stuff that, yeah. like, adds a lot of depth to the film. Especially because, like, at the very end, Ray and Julie get back together. Yeah. Um, And when he's explaining the whole, like, I went to go pay my respects to Billy Blue, he's kind of just like, yeah, I just... What, what was his exact wording? I don't remember. It's something along the lines of, like, what? I just need to, like, get the guilt off my chest. Yeah, which totally explains away the whole thing of, like, that's why he's probably the most put together. Because <laughs> he I actually s- went and did something. No, it isn't that. But he makes some other sideline of, like, I still wanted to be with you. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. He does <laughs> Which is interesting in the context of he was maybe doing some stuff with Missy. Yeah. Anyways, I, I just think that's fun. Oh, and also... Should mention this now. There's another time skip a year later at yep, the end of this. That's film. what I wanted to bring up. And I almost forgot that we should totally talk about that here. Basically, it's we just see Julie. She's back at her college, and she's looking how she does at the beginning of the film because all the guilt's gone because she's yep. realized. Wait a second, I never committed any murder. But then they definitely committed a murder at the end of the film. That was self-defense. Still a murder. Yeah, but that's different. And anyway, she goes to get in the shower, and there's a written in the shower, like in the steam on the wall is a I still know. Yeah. And then a jump scare. Yep. So, just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Bob didn't like it. It's fun. But it is kind of set up, because the way that Ben, you know, I die in this film, mm-hmm. is kind of left ambiguous again. So it could be him, could be someone else. Yep. Who knows? Leaves weird setup for the next film. Maybe it's Ray again. <laughs> Maybe it's Ray. <laughs> or it's Julie. <laughs> That'd be crazy. She tackled herself. <laughs> she tackled herself. Or maybe it's not Canada at all. <laughs> that god damn it man god damn it the third option i'm so sick of these movies ending in just dumb jump scares we have to remember that there there wasn't a plan for another movie when they made this movie it just kind of happened because this one made what 120 25 million dollars million dollars oh my god okay we're gonna go back sick of it to the other one and then i'll mention my other thing in the non-spoiler section Okay, we're back, or we're still here, depending on your perspective. Say hi, Bob. What? Good enough. Sorry, okay. I was, I was yawning. Uh, I, I want to mention. Yawn on the mic. I want to mention something else before we move on to our recommendations and stuff, uh, because I think you're gonna find it kind of interesting. Okay. Not like super important, but interesting. Okay. Remember how I said that, and you agreed with me that I still know. I know what you did last summer. Sorry, I said the name of the sequel. Uh, I know what you did last summer. It's kind of a shitty name for a movie. It's such a mouthful. Isn't it a great name for a book, though? Oh, my God. It is, though, right? Because it's good, it's descriptive, and it's actually the name of a book. Okay. In fact, and I think this is so interesting because I didn't realize this, it was actually a very well-known book at the time this movie was made. Oh. I was reading some stuff where it was like, yeah, most of the actresses we had who came in to like audition for Julie and stuff 
read the book as like girls. Oh, like wow. when they were younger, which is so interesting because like I'd never heard of this being a book. Me either. Because this movie is just so famous. It it eclipses that. Yeah. But yeah, it was a book uh that came out in 1973. Uh it has the same name. Uh I know what you did last summer and is about a group of four teens that run over a young bicyclist on their way home from a party. And by young, I mean like a boy. Oh no. And it was written by uh Lois Duncan and what I want to say about this, and what was so interesting reading about it, because, you know, I haven't read the book, so I don't know too much about it, but what I could find is that this movie is super loosely based on that book. So that book is, from what I could find, like an actual, like, mystery book and not a slasher thing. Oh, okay. And more to the point, Duncan really didn't like slashers or, like, horror movie stuff, and I found a, a quote. Uh, from an interview with her, like, actual thoughts on her uh, book being uh, adapted into this movie. Oh, and no. Her exact quotes were, I was appalled when my book, I Know What You Did Last Summer, was made into a slasher film because she really, really doesn't like the genre. And I, w- I was reading uh, some of the interview, and from what I could tell, her reasoning is, I think her kid was murdered. Oh. And so, like, she finds, you know, this genre and stuff kind of unpleasant and, and like un- like, not easily understood because it's like why would you want to watch yeah no no i totally understand that so i just wanted to mention that because like a you know this makes it kind of a bad adaptation Mm -hmm. um, but also really shitty for her yeah no because like her book was turned into something uh that a she really doesn't like Mm -hmm. you know how much no matter how much enjoyment we get out of that that's very frustrating for her oh yeah for sure because like this is something she spent a lot of time on and it gets an adaptation, and it's something that disgusts her. Uh, but more importantly, I think this is probably most frustrating, is, like, from what I found, it seemed like her book was rather well-received. And, I mean, it was at least well enough like to get a movie adaptation. Yeah. But it got a movie adaptation that was very loosely based on the book, but was so famous that she's probably never going to get an accurate movie adaptation i mean yeah why would you remake this when this movie made that much money and it's so popular well no why would you remake this how it was originally intended yeah yeah, you're just gonna remake the actual movie how it Mm -hmm. came out and i think that sucks no that does really suck that's probably the the shittiest thing that can happen to you as an author who sells your movie rights is like oh you just took the name of my my book and used that as an idea for your movie Mm -hmm. and didn't actually adapt my book that blows, dude. Yeah, that blows. That sucks so much. So I just want to mention that because, like, all that stuff kind of sucks around the book stuff. But um, kind of a negative note to end this on. So anyways, recommendations, Bob? Huh. <laughs> okay. Look, if you want a movie from the 90s, oh, my God. This movie it smells 90s. like the 90s. I can't smell a movie, but In Jesus fact, Christ. You might even say it smells like Teen Spirit. Ooh, Okay, okay, Nirvana reference. Yeah, is if you want a movie from the 90s that feels like it's from the 90s, this movie feels like it's from the 90s. It's reeks of it. If you want a whodunit slasher, I love whodunit slashers. It's my favorite kind of thing. This is a pretty good one. I enjoy this one a lot, actually. It was a lot more enjoyable than I expected it to be, TBH. If you want a whodunit slasher with minimal blood and gore and violence, good for that. It's not that brutal. There's maybe one scene that's a little bloody, that's like pretty, pretty gnarly, but other than that, it's pretty okay. In fact, it's almost PG thirteen esque. 
Almost, yeah. So if like you don't do good with blood and gore, but you want a whodunit slasher style movie, this is a pretty solid pick. It's pretty good early teens horror, which is, again, probably why it did so well at the box office. Yeah. Four. If you want a... <laughs> I thought that was your rating. <laughs> I no. I was like, that's the wrong time. No, no, no. If you want a movie with a small char- cast of characters that are all really well characterized and like very much the focus of the movie. Like if you want just like a movie about four people, this is a great movie about four people. Like I feel like Small sometimes cast. you watch a movie and it's like it has a shit ton of side characters you don't really care about. You know, this movie really focuses on these four individuals and what is happening in this film and how it's affecting them. And I really love that a lot. That's it. Okay. I guess for me, my biggest recommendation is if you want kind of like a whodunit murder mystery kind of thing. That's what I personally think this film is at its heart and what it was intended to be. But, you know, jumping off of that, it does have a lot of tropes that seem almost slasher-esque. So if you kind of want, like, a slasher with a side of mystery, this is probably right up your alley. In a similar vein, if you want something that's, like, tonally similar to Scream and some of its more metatextual moments, this has got you covered. I mean, same writer, right? But aside from that, I think the other recommendation here is if you're kind of looking for a horror movie that is light on, like, the gore and the horror and relies heavily on suspense and framing, this is probably the movie for you. Good? Good. All right, Bob. Hit us with your rating. Well, I spoiled it already by an accident when you made that joke. Four. (laughs) (laughs) It was my rating, but I just didn't mean it. It was my fourth recommendation. Yeah, no, four. I... I think this movie does a lot of what it intends to do very well. While also, we talked about this earlier, a lot of slashers don't have the best cinematography or, like, production or, like... Basically, a lot of slashers have a lot of production issues. This doesn't have any of those problems while also being a whodunit mixed with slasher elements while also being meta in some of the best ways possible. I re- And also, like, the cast does a great job of playing these four, like, hyper-characterized people I just, I really, really enjoy this film. It's really, really fun. There are very few things that I don't like about it. I just think they could have mixed the whodunit and slasher elements together better. There are some hiccups there that we kind of talked about in the spoiler section. But other than that, I, re- I really like this movie. It's super fun. All right. I think I'm going to give it a four as well. I mean, overall, I think it was a very well done film. Uh, it's well shot for the most part. It's well acted, well written. I mean, we talked about this in the general section, but I mean, that whole thing with like, the hook-handed man motif is thought out in multiple ways that I think show a lot of care went into the script. Yeah, and for film. sure. So overall, I think it, it did better than like what the basic plot is of who killed this person <laughs> and therefore you know could easily deserve a four. I don't think I could rate it higher than that because I do have some issues with the film. And we talked about that somewhat in the uh, spoiler section, so I'm, I'm not going to talk about that here. But additionally, I think what the the real thing that keeps this film from getting like a four and a half or a five is at the end of the day, it isn't like super unique. No. You know, like it's well, it's well done and all the, like kind of the meta stuff is is interesting. It isn't groundbreaking. No. I on mean, either point. We've seen something like this a billion times. Someone's mad. Someone else died. So they're, you know. Yeah getting revenge and so i think it's because it doesn't do anything like new or unique that this film really can't get higher than a four yeah no that's totally fair i mean it it's derivative in the sense that it's a revenge plot right it's a very classic feeling movie yeah but that has its own issues you know Mm -hmm. 
No, totally. Like this, it's well enough done, and there's some very famous scenes in this movie. Like the one we didn't talk about at all is when uh, Julie gets out of her car and spins around in a circle while yeah. screaming at the sky, which has been like redone in a bunch of stuff, including Scary Movie. I think the second one, right? Or it's the I, first one. I have no idea. Very famous scene. In fact, I think the story behind that, and don't quote me on this, I think there was a competition for like a guest director and like a kid won it, and that's the scene the kid directed. Huh. Cool. So that's interesting. But that's definitely the most famous scene in this movie. And there's stuff like that where it's like, I can tell that this movie inspired other things, but they're more like homages and not mm-hmm. like this inspired a genre. Yeah. You know? That's fair. Anyways, I think that's all I got. So I guess we're going to go to the outtakes now. Yeah. We'll uh, see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of I Know What You Did Last Summer so far. I really like this film. I think it's super duper fun. But if you do not want any spoilers from this outtake section, please skip to 1 hour, 19 minutes, and 31 seconds immediately. This next clip is why you should always make sure people you kill are actually dead. Oh my god, he's not actually fucking dead? Are you kidding me? Holy shit! This next clip is our reaction to probably the best kill in this entire film. Yep. Yep. Oh my god! Oh my god! That was a good fucking kill! Um. Wait, it wasn't Max? <laughs> no. That was a that was a good one. I wasn't nah, expecting the kills in this to be good. This next clip is our reaction to a sick ass car stunt. Holy shit! That's awesome. <laughs> oh my god. That's so fucking cool, but also just insane. I always think the maniacal car is always kind of funny. Yeah. Holy shit! Oh my god, there's so many sick-ass stunts in this. This next clip is probably my worst nightmare. What the fuck? What is in there? No way. No way, bro. Don't open that. I wouldn't open it. I would freak the fuck out. Oh, crap. That's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> the dead guy in your trunk or crabs? Both. <laughs> because that clip is 100% you going, what's in there? <gasps> crabs. <laughs> this next clip is the fisherman deciding that one witness is one too many. Oh, my God. Why is this guy killing cops now? This guy is a menace. No witnesses. Serial killer. Oh my god, the hook in the sternum like that is brutal. This next clip is proof that not all murderers are the brightest people. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Kind of awesome. But he trapped himself in a bag. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrible plan, Mr. Fisher person. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements? 
Benjamin? Not really. I mean, this is a two-parter, obviously. And so the obviously. next part comes out. Well, okay. So here's here's where I'm in a debacle. When do they normally come out? It's Wednesdays. Sundays. Oh, is it Wednesdays? Oh, okay. Well, it's coming out Wednesday then, I guess. Well, that's when we're going to release an episode for Friday the 13th. Yeah. So let's move it. Okay. To Monday. Okay. Because that'll be easier on me. This episode isn't coming out tomorrow. Or episode two. I still know what you did last summer. Yep. Isn't coming out tomorrow, but it's coming out the next day. So Monday. Yes. Cool? Cool. Cool. Next thing up, we kind of just mentioned it right there. But we're still releasing Friday the 13th stuff. Yep. Two episodes a week of that. One of those comes out tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, Saturday. So that'll be what? Part three? That is part three, yes. And then, and then part then, four will come out Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, I misspoke. I thought this episode was coming out Saturday, but this came out Friday. Yep. This is so Monday is two sch- days from now. <laughs> normally scheduled episode. Okay. I've kind of been in the whole Friday the 13th mindset. No, me fuck it too, man. But yeah, so that's all that's coming out. So that's really all our announcements. Um, aside from that, you know, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. So wherever you're listening to right now is a good example of that. Uh, we're on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, other places, including YouTube, which is kind of nice because, like, we can see your support there. Uh, that means, like, views, subscriptions, likes. We can also see your comments, which is interesting because, like, that's one of the two places we can see that. Like, communication, I mean. Uh, the other place is Twitter, at Beware the Board. You can talk to Bob. Be like, I still know that you haven't covered my favorite movie. You can tell him those exact words, and then tell him what your you favorite movie is. Yeah, and then I would have to tell Ben. And, and then, then he'd ben have to tell me. figure out where we're going to watch it. There are so many movies we haven't covered for this show that are like really famous that we should get to. It's almost like there's an unlimited amount of movies. <laughs> Not unlimited. But Not unlimited, but they keep coming out. Yeah, and we, we cannot cover them, cover fast, them enough. fast enough. Yeah, but yeah, send us your stuff on either YouTube or to Bob. <sighs> yeah, send it to Bob. That's probably easier. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Like Ben said, check us out on Twitter. It's where I post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is a hidden movie cover that you can reveal to see what it is so you can watch the movie before we do, so whatever you listen to the episode, you don't get any spoilers. Then, on Friday or whenever the episode goes live, I'll post a link to the episode. So if you ever miss an upload or wonder when something went up, there's always a link on our Twitter. Last thing, check us out on TikTok and YouTube Shorts, after the board. If you like short-form content or into short-form content, It's where we put all of our short-form stuff. I cut old outtakes from old episodes. I cut new content from old episodes. So I basically re-scrubbled footage for it. So if you're into short-form content and you like that, check us out at Beware the Board on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts. I think that's it, Ben. All right. Well, um, this has been fun. I guess we'll see you uh, in the next episode of this double feature on Monday. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't seem interesting to you. I guess I'll see you Friday. Or maybe on Saturday or Wednesday. Just, you know. That's that's a separate series. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, see you next time. I'll see you guys next time.